This part show is pleased to bring you Whiskey Westerns on Wednesday, direct from Dodge City, Kansas, featuring rich topics on the legends of the Old West. Whiskey to motivate, Westerns to inspire, get it, play it, drink it. And we're going to talk a little bit about our second book. Our newest book is called Return of the Great Hunters, Tales of the Frontier. As we go through the book, who were the buffalo hunters? And the first one that really got involved in the buffalo trade that led to the extinction of the buffaloes by, by 1874. Now, you have to think about the plains in Kansas. Millions and millions of buffalo were moving through. In 1872, uh, the factories up north did not have the hides or the belts that they needed for industry. And mm. so the buffalo hide then was used for many different uh, purposes. But the one key figure that made all of this happen in the trade was a guy by the name of Josiah Moore mm. and his brother, John Moore. So let's talk a little bit about Josiah Moore the kind of person that he was and how he got into hunting buffalo along the Saline River in Kansas. And I, if I'm going to preface this by, I like what you said there about the, the industry uh, right. back east at the time. And in today's world, we, we look so often with disdain on these buffalo hunters and the, the buffalo slaughter and, and the waste and what a, a tragedy it was. And, and it was. I, we don't mean to make light of that at all, but what is missing from so many modern dialogues about this issue is the context. Right. And, and you provided a great deal of it right there. You're in the middle of the industrial revolution in the United States. Technology is exploding after the Civil War. Factories are booming, new technologies are growing, businesses are growing, westward expansion is need of, of many industries. But at the time, too, we, it's an expansion of land. Americans are moving west, but one of the things that, that's happening here is that the, the Native Americans are not cooperating in, in their terms. So another, another issue becomes... Well, if we knock off their food supply, then they'll go back to the reservations and become farmers, like was the idea, right. so you could take the land from them, which is kind of sad. But at the same time, this is what's happening in America. It is. It is. And, and much like the, the buffalo was everything uh, to the natives, their, their, their food, their clothing, their tools, it really was the same thing to the European Americans. Right. Whether it be for the, the leather for the belts, as you mentioned, uh, food to feed everyone, right. uh, industry moving west, the hides were heated for, for clothing, uh, bone china was, was a major industry. Yes, there, there was a lot of waste, but, but certainly it, there were articles being used to a scale that even the Indians couldn't possibly imagine. Right. And by extension, yes, the, the buffalo did start to decrease in, in large numbers because of the, the extra hunting that was going on. We, we like to blame the Americans and the military and the government for saying, yeah, go, go kill the buffalo because then we can get rid of the Indians. Right. 
And while that is true, that's not what started the buffalo trade. The, the buffalo slaughter would have happened naturally anyway. What the United States government, their unofficial position, just exacerbated an, an already existing issue. Like, you know what, this is happening, we're not going to stop it. And that conversation right there is what brings Josiah Wright Moore into the picture. Uh, When he went to Fort Dodge, this was, again, after the the Medicine Lodge Peace Treaty, which banned white hunters from hunting south of the Arkansas River. Because that was reservation land. That was reservation land. The Arkansas River runs right down the middle of Dodge City. Right. Well, at that time, just south of Dodge City. Well, Josiah Wright Moore said he went to the commander of Fort Dodge and essentially asked, am I going to get in trouble if I take a band out there and hunt buffalo? Because the herds down there are huge, and there's just not many. This is where they all go this time of year. He basically asking permission against the Medicine Lodge Peace Treaty, can I go south of the river down into the panhandle of Texas and hunt buffalo? The commander of Fort Dodge looked at him, understanding the United States government's unofficial position and said, if I was a buffalo hunter, I would go where the buffalo are. Josiah Wright leaves uh, in the north, in Illinois, I believe, and he's chopping wood for Fort Hayes. Mm-hmm. He's not making very much money out of it. He runs into a guy, a mountain man, and the mountain man has a lot of experience. His name was White. Mm-hmm. And he has quite a story, too. Oh, Jim White? Jim White. Jim White. So we might talk about Jim White. At the time, still Jim Wilson. They partner together and go out on the plains to hunt buffalo. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Jim White. Jim, like I said, early on, Jim Wilson is, is what he was born. Jim needs to be mentioned in the same conversations as Jedediah Smith and Jim Bridger and all of the greats, even even Cody to some extent. And he's kind of the lost legend that really needs to be talked about a lot more. He really does. Uh, And I've had conversations with others, reenactors, actually. And when you bring up Jim White... You can you can see the look on their face. It's like okay, you you know what you're talking about. Now we can have a conversation. Jim was a he was a former Confederate after the Civil War. Tooled around a little bit, got married. Uh, after he got married, he and his wife they moved to Mexico, where his wife left him for a rich man. Jim obviously took exception to this, uh, and he went and gunned the man down. Got jealous, did he? Uh, absolutely. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> right. Wives leave you for somebody with more money? <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Jim, being the man that he was, a uh, man of very few words, quite generally as we understand him, just blew the, blew the guy away. And, and this is where it gets interesting, and we really start to see what kind of a man that Jim was. He left Mexico, evidently on foot, with, for that time, an exceedingly excessive bounty right. on his head. An outlaw. This wasn't just a rich guy. This right. was apparently a very significant man in, in Mexico at the time. Jim walked back into Texas on foot with his bounty on his head, Mexican soldiers on his heels, uh, changed his name to Jim White, 
wound up in again like I said in, in Dodge City and many other places and uh, Fort Hayes when when Fort Josiah and that's mm-hmm. where the buffalo were at the other time mm-hmm. and they become buffalo hunters to them together and that story that we that Brad just talked about that meeting is in the first chapter of Return of the Great Hunters uh, Tales of Frontier. So our next character in Return of the Great Hunters, we'd want to talk about probably George W. Hoodoo Brown. And then his oh, yes. hunting partner, Prairie Dog Morrow. Prairie Dog Morrow, both fascinating characters. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Hoodoo. Hoodoo Brown. Mike, I'm I'm drinking all the whiskey here. I'm, I'm starting to feel bad. It's... Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Does all right. that help you out a little bit? Uh, fair enough. I was, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, yeah. I, I can't stop drinking that. I think I'll take another sweet. All right. Well, back to the whiskey. Mm-hmm. George Brown, Udo Brown, is probably most significant uh, during these times, not just for his his buffalo hunting, and but he and his partner built the second permanent establishment in Dodge City. Guess what it was? Another, yet another saloon. saloon selling whiskey. Right. Uh, that was the business uh, that Dodge was in. Uh, well, George also had quite a career in addition to, yes, the, the buffalo hunting with, with uh, Dave Morrill. Built the second saloon, credited as one of the founders of Dodge City. Uh, we often just look back to George Hoover, who started the the first establishment? But it was just a matter of days before Hoodoo Brown uh, had opened his, just just about next door. And there was there really wasn't any competition because there was so much business to go around that Buffalo City, Dodge City, became the boomtown that it was. Well, in the story, actually, what happened? He remembers that out at Fort Dodge, there was a saloon out there that served whiskey. Right. And when he went yeah, out the there, the cellar store. Yeah, when he went out there get his share of whiskey, he found out it wasn't being sold anymore. Mm-hmm. And it had already been shut down because of the, yeah, the, the incident with uh, the drunken lieutenant right. punching Colonel Dodge. Right, and Lieutenant Turner. Turner. And so Colonel Dodge goes in, tells Mr. Robert Wright, he says, no more sale whiskey here mm-hmm. at, uh, at the fort. He was disappointed, and he goes out on the plains. He says, but I know where there's whiskey being sold. And he goes out on the plains, and he says, wow, this is a great idea. Leaves and goes to Russell, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not too far from Hayes. Right. Uh, just, but just he up first the goes to Hayes. There's no lumber to be found. And then he goes They've to used Russell. It all. And brings all the lumber back and right. builds a small saloon. Builds so a that's saloon. a good story about Hoodoo here. Is his partner at the time is Prairie Dog Morrow. Morrow also uh, quite the career. Evidently the like the great uncle or, or some some familiar relationship. Great uncle, I think, is what it was of Anne Morrow, who married Charles Lindbergh. It's that's generally been accepted. There's been a lot of family research being done, but I mean, it's been told since Charles Lindbergh was alive. I'll be honest. Uh, and when he when he came to Dodge, he was it was because there was family here. Morrow was also quite a character. He did a little bit of everything. Uh, of course, buffalo hunting, saloon owning. He was a lawman in Dodge for quite some time. Right. And his probably, even with all that, his biggest claim to fame is he devised a rather ingenious <laughs> trap uh, to catch prairie dogs. Right. 
and he would sell them to people traveling through on the train. That that that's, a rodent, a, that's an entrepreneur. It's a, a rodent would go out and catch rodents, mm-hmm. and then go to a train station and sell them to people that were traveling north. Yeah, as a pet. Mm-hmm. And that I, I agree, and that's made, really made quite how, a bit of money. And that's really how he got his name, Prairie Dog, Dog Morrow, because he was catching prairie dogs, selling rodents to people at the uh, at the train station. Yeah. Selling, selling vermin to tourists. Ver, vermin. <laughs> that story in itself is in uh, Return of the Great Hunters, and it's very interesting that conversation, the first saloon, be, first and second saloon, how Dodge City came about, uh, is actually in the book as well. The last character, which the book is actually named after, Return of the Great Hunters, it's 1874. Now, what you have to imagine is from 1872 to 1874, those million buffaloes are all being killed off. Mm -hmm. On the south side and the north side, there are no more buffaloes. So the return of the great hunters is really the story about Billy Dixon coming to Dodge City, and they all gather together knowing that there are some buffalo remaining in Texas. Billy Dixon is our next character, and he really he takes about half the book in because we lead into the Battle of Adobe Walls and leaving Dodge in 1874. But let's talk a little bit about Billy Dixon and why he is such a legend in his own making. Well, he, that's... My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mio. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War. Who was his enemy of the United States? He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. That's a great way of putting it. He really was. And Billy, like, like most of these folks, Billy crossed paths with everyone. We know so much about all of these relationships because he he wrote, uh, someone say his wife wrote, as, as he dictated, a fantastic autobiography. Life and Times of Billy Life Dixon. Life and Billy Dixon. Just a fascinating character. Started out early on, um, was an absolute legend, as you say. And when the uh, the Adobe Walls, the, the second Adobe Walls fort, well, trading post, we'll say, was established in the uh, Texas Panhandle, uh, Billy was one of the many Dodge City Buffalo hunters that moved down there. And you could simplify the whole Adobe Walls thing. and see It was essentially just nothing more than a Dodge City trading post. Exactly, because you have Charles Rath who moves out there. Right, Rath uh, is, is the, the king of the, the mercantile and the, the buffalo trade in, in Dodge City. And like many others, like Josiah Wright Moore, he goes where the buffalo are. Say, why spend all the money transporting everything back here? We'll just go down to Texas, set up in the middle of the, the biggest buffalo herd on the Great Plains, and conduct all of our business right there. And then when it's all done, we'll bring it all back to Dodge. That's exactly what they did. Uh, except for they, they misjudged the enmity of the, the Cheyenne. 
Well, uh, still we're not, the Indians were still not uh, cooperating too well. Well, why would they? they... <laughs> and they, uh, all of them got off the reservation at the same time. Mm -hmm. so, uh, they saw the Medicine Lodge Peace Treaty already being broken. They'd had enough of it. There was a, a Cheyenne medicine man by the name of Isatea. Isatea, right. Who had become the right-hand man of... Uh, the Cheyenne chief. Well, he, he saw visions. Yeah. Visions. He was a visionary and they all believed him. I don't know how much peyote they were smoking at the time, but... Well, but, it worked. Yeah, it worked. It worked. Uh, he whipped not just the Cheyenne, but the Arapaho, uh, all the other, the, the Southern Plains tribes together. And we we need, we need to put a stop to this. And like I said, it, it worked. Whatever whatever visions and message that he was selling, one of the largest Indian uh, groupings, uh, alliances, basically until uh, bringing, Custer. Bringing all the tribes together and something the Comanches didn't do uh, in their natural rights was to do a sun dance. Mm -hmm. So you have 700 Indians on the plains all coming together, you have Isatea as their spiritual being, and he then has, says, we need to do a sun dance, and they get all riled up, and you have 700 of them riding across the prairie, and where are they headed? They're all heading to Adobe Walls. And why are they headed to Adobe Walls? Because that's where the buffalo hunters are. And they are not happy. They are going to wipe them out. Okay. And so this is where the character of Bat Masterson, mm -hmm. Billy Dixon... And all of these uh, buffalo hunters, but one thing the buffalo hunter had uh, that the Indians did not have was what? That Sharps 50 that, rifle. The big 50. Uh, and there were several more around. It was a very popular, very popular rifle uh, for buffalo hunting. I mean, that's, that's a big caliber that's rifle, and that'll bring down an elephant. They would do their own loads, and mm -hmm. they would overload the, the shell with uh, additional powder. Right. Anyway... Uh, Billy Dixon becomes famous at this Battle of Adobe Walls. What does he do to make his mark in history? Well, he was already quite a legendary buffalo hunter uh, in his own time. And, and he, he was a... Uh, and well-known as a marksman. And he was also a, a, a scout. He was a scout under uh, General Miles. Right. Which is where he, he knew Bat Masterson from. Right. They, they served the same. But during this Adobe Walls fight... He becomes known for the, uh, I guess the start of the American Revolution was the shot heard around the world. Right. This was the second best shot, or the second most significant shot in American history. And they're still doing studies over this shot. Right. There are still today United States military snipers trying to replicate okay. the shot that Billy Dixon made with a fifty caliber buffalo gun. Right. And can't do it. Even though our, our range is much larger, more accurate than really what he had. But what happened is, is he basically just hauled off. And as the, the Indians were retreating, uh, he saw an Indian mount on horseback over the rise, which happened to be the chief. And he, he thought, you know, I'll just, I'll give it a shot. Pulled his gun leveled it up over the rise, pulled the trigger, and knocked him off his horse. And, and, so, and that was just about the end of the battle, because even Ice Taya thought... Yeah, 
Uh, the, he, the medicine is too strong. Well, I, I said, Tia, he claimed that his horse was bulletproof. Right. And so uh, during the first day of the battle, his horse gets shot out from him. So the faith... Is already deteriorated. Uh, yeah. What's interesting about that shot is that it's, what, second or third day of the battle? Because it about this battle day. goes on and on. And about the third day, he goes out and he says, I'm going to settle this. And he points his gun up on the ridge. Now, how far of a shot was that? About seven-tenths of a mile. Takes that shot, knocks the Indian off the horse, and that seems to end all of the... Uh, That's about the end of the fight. Quanta Parker was also involved in that battle, and he got shot right... He got wounded at the first on the first day. But mm-hmm. all of that story about the Battle of Adobe Walls, Billy Dixon, Turner of the Great Hunters, is in the last few chapters uh, of the book. Now, what people don't quite understand is that right after that battle, the Red River War starts. So these 40 buffalo hunters out in the Texas Plains starts an Indian war Mm -hmm. called the Red River 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 War. So anyway, Brad, do you want to say anything else about the book? Uh, they are, they're fantastic. Obviously we, we think so. Uh, and what I think we should add is that even though Return of the Great Hunters is our second book, right? this is really what started this whole project. Uh, the podcasts and everything. You're right. Uh, Man in a Black Derby Hat was, wound up kind of being a segue because we had just so much great Bat Masterson vignettes right. that we've just got to put this one out. But Return of the Great Hunters has been the passion project since day one. This, this, it's been the end game since we started. And that book is really about a two-year a two make. Uh, we've been at it for two years, and uh, the Return of the Great Hunters is really their first project, like Brad said. Uh, we have another one that's, that we're working on, which is a segue to this one, which is uh, going to be uh, The Legends of Dodge City, Tales of the West. Uh, we're still a little bit down the road with that one that may not come out until next year these two are now available on amazon.com uh, you can buy them in paperback and the nice thing about these books they're the scripts to our podcast mm-hmm. so basically you can turn to a chapter in the book find it we'll read it and it's word for word yeah, just, just scan the qr code that's yeah. in the book and uh and listen to it along it's very much like an audio book uh, you're stuck listening to me while you're reading along. You can do it either way, uh, but either way, we think it's a great experience. And Brad does such a wonderful job of reading these stories, uh, and it's been a great partnership for the last two years. It's been a joy. It's been and, and it's for fun. two years. I mean, we we do this anyway, but but it's you folks that are that keep listening, keep us doing this too. So yeah. thank you very much for for continuing to listen, for your support, for your suggestions. The, the criticisms that we've got have helped. And uh, much, much so. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the people that have written in, they've, they've talked to us about sound quality. They've talked mm-hmm. to us about a lot of different things, things that they would like to see in the future. So if you would like to contact us and give some suggestions or at least talk to us about your experiences as a listener, you can write us at wildwestpodcast.com at gmail.com. Again, that's wildwestpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. We uh, promote 
uh, the different podcasts that we're doing, the Whiskey and Westerns. We have Whiskey and Westerns on uh, YouTube. Uh, so all of these links we're talking about will be a part of the uh, posting of this podcast. And how many different channels do we have, Brad, right now? Uh, well, you got the, we've got the YouTube, the... Uh, Buzzsprout. But yeah, Buzzsprout. That's probably the the biggest one. Uh, I can't even remember all the names. You're you're the more the technical guy, right. but I'd say there's probably at least five, five that I can think ones. of. And over, I think even worldwide, I think we're we're hit, we're touching about fourteen thousand or fourteen hundred mm-hmm. different cities across the across the world. Uh, Japan, uh, Germany, uh, um, Ireland, England, yeah. uh, Netherlands. Uh, United States, uh, all all of those people are listening to our podcast. So I'd like to close now. Toast, Brad, we have to have another little pour here uh, before we close out. But thank well, you again for listening to our podcast, uh, Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. It's all about the celebration of the frontier, bringing the true stories, the legends of God City together. So since, let's toast. Well, since we are toasting, I okay. feel that this might be the appropriate time to offer an apology to, to our audience. Okay. Uh, you may have noticed it's been quite some time since we've done a Whiskey and Westerns. And our, our output has been slow of late this last couple of months. Right. And, and that's my fault. Well, I don't know if that's a fault or not. It, I think it's a part of, a part of life celebration. Because, Brad, you just got married just recently. I, I got married in November. Yeah. I and did. So that and would just distract any man. It did. Uh, well, she is quite a distraction. Oh, You've met my wife. Yeah, she's yeah. a beautiful woman. Uh, so it's, yeah, that's that's what's been going on in, in my life and our lives. Uh, hopefully we're going to get on a little more regular schedule. Right. Uh, she's, she's a big fan of, of what we do here. So I, I would like to toast. To a uh, new family. Uh, toast to a new family. A new life. Uh, my, my wife and, and her support absolutely and, and your support as well for, for keeping us going thank absolutely. you very much as we celebrate the American West that's it for now we hope you enjoyed our show and remember you can check out all of our Wild West podcast shows on Player FM series Wild West podcast iTunes podcast Spotify Amazon AnyPod or at wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com.